0: Uh, for those of you that are joining us for the first time today, you are getting right in the middle of a series on the book of Malachi called Relevant. Uh, the book of Malachi is a prophetic word given by the prophet Malachi to the people of Israel thousands of years ago, but we're talking about how that word, even today, is relevant to us. And so today, I'm going to be jumping in uh, chapter 3, verses 6 through 12, and The title of the message today is Robbing God. And as Pastor Kevin says many times, aren't you glad you came to church today? (laughs) This whole series has been full of not-so-fun conversations that we get to have, but they're still very relevant and they're still very necessary to have. It's very important that we talk about these things because if we don't, then we're going to end up in the same place that the people of Israel found themselves Um, So if you would, stand with me and let's read the scripture for today. Like I said, it's in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, starting in verse 6. And again, this is the prophet Malachi speaking on behalf of the Lord. It says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. we ask that you would just speak to us today. God, I ask that you would speak through me, that I'm not able to communicate this on my own, but with you, I pray that, that I'm able to speak your words this morning, God. Um, as we talk about this difficult text that you help us to understand what it means to us, what you want us to do with it, and how we can be better followers of you, Jesus. And I just ask that you bless this time we have together and that we may take this and apply it to our lives and be better for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Just wanna kinda catch everybody up to speed so that we can all be starting from the same point in case you've missed a couple weeks or if this is your first time here. Um, So like I said earlier, we're in the series called Relevant Words. Um, It's a a look at the book of Malachi, which is the the last book of the Old Testament. And it's the last word that Jesus or that that God spoke through a prophet until the angel Gabriel announced Jesus was coming. Um, So it's a very significant part of scripture. Um, The words of Malachi are coming from God and they're directed at the people of Israel. At the time, God was very upset because the people of Israel were not acting right. They weren't doing what they knew they were supposed to be doing. They were acting out and they were questioning every accusation that God made. They even had accused God of being inconsistent and unreliable, as we learn in previous chapters. And they're in this downward spiral. They're doubting God's love, they're making inadequate sacrifices, they are performing inadequate ministries, they are faithless in their marriages, they have a distrust of God's rule, and there's general injustice in the community. Does that sound familiar to anybody at all? Because it should, because it's what our world is going through right now. The biggest thing is that they were blaming God for their problems with God. They were looking to Him and they were saying, you're the reason that we're doing this. They weren't taking the responsibility for themselves because they were so consumed with themselves that they think God was punishing them in all of this. But in reality, they were the ones that were punishing God because they weren't showing their love for them for Him. But fortunately, there's one saving grace for them is that they had not gone so far as to completely abandon God. So they were treating their relationship more like a broken marriage than a divorce. So there was still some remnant of a relationship with God. And so that means that there's still hope for reconciliation. There's still hope for the relationship to be repaired. And God saw that. And we'll see in today's scripture that he wants nothing more than for his children to return to him. So we see in the very first verse of today's passage, verse six, it says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. So this passage starts out with God responding to this accusation that he's been inconsistent. That he said one thing and then he said another thing. But he's reminding them and he's letting them know for a fact. As you can see at the bottom of the scroll, the very last couple lines, says, I, the Lord, do not change. And he's proving this just by the follow-up of this verse. He's proving this by saying, my evidence is you. The fact that you are still here, the fact that you, children of Israel, still exist, that's proof that I do not change because I promised that I would sustain you, and I did that. So it said, he made that covenant with Abraham. If it wasn't for his covenant with Abraham, the love and consistency that he showed through that, the people of Israel would have been wiped out many times over. If you know their history, there were many times where they should have been wiped off the face of the earth, but God preserved them. So their existence was wholly dependent on the choice and the election of God. See, this whole time they've been complaining about God's character. They've been performing petty acts of disobedience showing that they're rebellious hearts, that they are even, you know, backslidden people, they're far from God. But they fail to realize that their only hope lies in the character and consistency of God. Without Him, they are nothing. So just as the people of Israel's hope relied on God and His love, our only hope relies on God's love through Christ because he sent his son Jesus to be that sacrifice for us as an ultimate show of his love for us and as we see in Romans chapter 8 verses 29 and 30 says for God knew his people in advance he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and having chosen them he called them to come in and having called them he gave them the right standing with himself and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So here we see the Apostle Paul writing to the Romans that it's the love of Christ that is our basis for this confidence that we have that nothing will separate us from our relationship with God. See, he knew us before we were even born, and he called us to come to him And when he did that, he gave us the right to stand with him in his holiness. He gave us the right to share in his glory. And it's not because we deserve any of it, because if we got what we deserved, we'd be in a completely different place. But it's because he loves us. It's by his grace and by his mercy that he has called us to himself. But the disturbing reality of the people of Israel back then and even us in our current situation, is that we're actively turning away from him and from his love and from his calling to return to him. So you see, it says in verse seven, it says, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and you have not kept them. So God points out that this isn't the first time, this isn't new behavior, that they've been turning away from him for generations it's uh, just like I said a few weeks ago when I had the opportunity to preach on verse uh, on chapter one verses six through fourteen they didn't get to this place overnight it was a slow drift generation after generation slowly not doing this not doing that and then they found themselves where they were and I heard an illustration recently about this phenomenon, and so it's it's pretty relevant because as you know, Pastor Kevin and Kyle and their families are currently on vacation and they're at the beach. It's a beach illustration. Anybody here likes swimming in the ocean? I know this is kind of a divisive thing. Some people think it's disgusting and they hate it. Some people love it. I personally love the ocean. I love the beach. I would go there any opportunity I have. But the thing about the ocean is that the water isn't still. It's always moving. There's tides, there's currents, there's all these things that are in effect. So the illustration was a, a man was playing with his children out in the waves, they were splashing, they were jumping up and down, they were, you know, surfing the waves, that sort of thing. And there was, you know, several of them there, was the, this man and his children. And one, t- one time he jumped up out of the water and then he was looking around and he realized that that beach house that they were staying at had disappeared. It's like it just completely vanished. It was like, guys, our house is gone. And they're looking around like, what are you you talking about? It's like, it's not there. And they're looking around and they realize that it's way over there. It's like someone had picked it up and moved it. But what happened is they were suffering the effects of this moving tide. And so while they're bouncing up and down and playing, they're all near each other and they're together and everything is fine. We're right where we started. But then they look up and they're almost a mile from where they first entered. So you see, the problem is they were drifting away together. So they didn't realize it because they were in the same proximity with each other. But because none of them had a firm foundation on the ground and they were constantly in the water and floating, that they were just going with the water. And so that's where the children of Israel had found themselves um, is that they didn't realize this because they were in the same proximity with each other, but because they were all slipping away from God They found themselves completely far from him. And so it should be a wake-up call for all of us, that it's not just our relationship with God that's at stake, but it's for future generations. We have to have not only our salvation in mind, but we also have to remember our children and our grandchildren. As I look around, I see many generations represented just in this room today. And for those of you that were at Bible study this Wednesday, uh, we're going through the book of Hebrews, we're in chapter 12, and the author calls us to look out for each other as Christians, that's the point of Christian community is so that we can go through this life together but we can also encourage each other when we see someone slipping. Because if one of us slips, then they're more likely to bring someone else with them and then another and another and before we realize it, the whole lot of us are, drug- are drugged down the beach and we're a mile away from where we started. So I encourage you one, to look out for your brothers and sisters. If you see somebody and you know they're not living right, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, call it out in their life. God's given you that discernment for a reason. Be bold and say something because they may be looking for that person that cares enough about them and their eternity to say something to them. So be that person if you see it. Second, I encourage you to come to Bible study because we talk about really cool stuff in the Bible and we learn about God's Word. and who he is and what he, who he wants us to be. So Wednesday in the morning at 10 and the evening at 6.30, we have a meal at 6. That's my shameless plug because I'm teaching again this Wednesday. So hope to see you there. All right, as we continue in the scripture for this morning, uh, we continue reading in the second part of verse 7. God says this, he says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Isn't that great news? that even though the children of Israel were being so disobedient, disrespectful, they were completely turning away from God, he still says, come back, please. Please come back. He says, despite everything that they had done, currently were doing, God still says, return to me and I will return to you. It's the story of the prodigal son, for those of you that know it, from the book of Luke, in chapter 15. See, this, the father had these, these two sons and... And one of them just, he was tired of all the rules of, of his house, of his father's house. He said, uh, the father gave him there his inheritance. And he said, you know what? You can go do what you want. And so the, the oldest son, he took off and he went and lived a stupid, selfish life. It's the best way to put it. He indulged in every kind of thing you can think of. And one day he woke up and he realized, this is not okay. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I need to get back to my father's house. And so he just was full of guilt. He's like, my, my father's probably going to reject me. This isn't going to go well, but he did it anyways. So he started heading back home. And for those of you that know the story, you know what the father did. He didn't refuse him. He didn't hold his past mistakes over his head. He didn't point out the fact that he wasted all of his inheritance. And he didn't even just stand there and wait for the son to come to him. As soon as the father saw the son coming over the, the edge, coming down the road towards the house, the father literally lifted up his tunic and ran to the son. open arms, embraced him and said, I'm so glad that you came back home. Come on, let's have a party. You're home. And that's, that's how God treats us. Is it? don't be stupid, but if you are, and if you have... There's still a place for you at the table. God still wants you to come back to him. And it's not just a, okay, get over here. We're going we're gonna to hold this over you. We're going to make you feel guilty the rest of your life. It's as if it never happened because he wants you to be with him above all else. And so I just hope you guys know that. And if you don't, now you do. God is constantly looking to restore, maintain, and strengthen his relationship with his people. He's constantly calling his people to return to him we look at 2nd Corinthians, this isn't in the notes or on the screen but 2nd um, Corinthians chapter 5 verse 19 it says, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. This is one of the key passages that we use at Chi Alpha, the university ministry I was a part of is that even if you're at college and you're partying every night God still loves you and you can give that up and you can reconcile your relationship with God. You're never too far gone. Um, And so I just, I love that verse. We use that as kind of our our mission on campus is to reconcile, be reconciled to Christ. Um, It's kind of like our our battle cry. Um, And then moving on, it says, then the people of Israel, they show how far they really have gotten from God by asking how shall we return said so this question reveals it, it truly it reveals their ignorance because first of all they didn't realize that they were far from God and then when that was made clear to them they didn't know how or why they had fallen short they they didn't even really believe him at first because whenever he was making these accusations that you are this way they said no we're not You have done this. No, no, he didn't. So, well, yes, yes, you have. You just need to realize it. They were so far from God that they literally did not know what needed to be done to come back to him. And so now we get to the meat of the message. This is where the title of the message comes from, starting in verse 8. It says, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. And you say, how have we robbed you? God says, in your tithes and in your contributions. Now, we're not specifically talking about money. We talked about before, talking about just the attitude of their heart. They weren't bringing proper offerings and sacrifices to God, not because they didn't have them, but because they didn't respect God. So when we rob God, it's because we don't give him what we owe him. And so these are some of the things that we owe God. We owe him our trust, we owe him our love, we owe him our service, our obedience, our worship, our sacrifice, and above all else, we owe him ourselves. He wants us to give him everything. So we owe him these things, not because he's greedy, and as I said before, not because he needs them, because he doesn't, but we owe him these things because he created us, and he redeemed us, and he called us, and he loves us. And so it's just our show of appreciation, and it's our show of gratitude for those truths. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. It says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? whom you have from God, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We owe him ourselves. And in First Peter 1, 18 and 19, it says, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. It was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value, but it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. You see, in Malachi's day, they were robbing God because they weren't paying the full tithe. And even when they did give sacrifices, as we learned in chapter 1, is that they were offering lame, diseased, and blind animals. It was not an adequate sacrifice. And so as we move on in verse 9, you'll see that God makes it clear that he's not just upset with the priests, but he's upset with the people as a whole. See, the priests were the ones that were actually laying the sacrifice on the altar, but the nation as a whole, the people of Israel, were all guilty of bringing those offerings in disrespect and lack of honor towards God. They no, <clears throat> they no longer feared His name, and so the idea of the people of God robbing, or the people robbing God, also shows that they just had the wrong idea completely about their property and their possessions. And so this is something I want to challenge you with today. So I'm talking about the people of Israel, but I'm talking about us as well. They thought they owned the things that they had. They didn't realize that they were stewards of God's possessions. And we must realize the same things. We don't own what we have. We're stewards of God's possessions. Stewardship. Got a definition for you is the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Randy Alcorn says, if God is the owner, I am the manager. I need to adopt a steward's mentality towards the assets he has entrusted, not given to me. A steward manages assets for the owner's benefit. The steward carries no sense of entitlement to the assets he manages. It's his job to find out whatever the owner wants done with his assets, then carry out his will. So the people's attitude towards their property was not one of stewardship, but was ownership. They said, this is my stuff. I can do whatever I want with it because it's mine. But they looked around as if they owned the things around them, disregarding the source of their blessings and failing to realize that it was God who had trusted with those things, trusted them with those things in the first place they were possessed by their possessions. If we have this same thought that we own everything we have, we're naturally more reluctant to part ways with it. It makes us much less likely to be generous with what we do have, because we have a skewed view of whose things they actually are. So on, on the other hand, if we look at, the th- we look at all the things we have as though God owns them, and we're just managing those things, that we're stewards of those possessions, then we're much more likely to give freely because it's on his behalf. So in addition to being more generous with what we have been given and giving more away, we become even more appreciative of the things that we get to hang on to, the things that we get to keep, because we know it's a personal gift from our personal God. So being God's steward to give or keep on his behalf is an immense privilege. And I want you all to know that you have been given this challenge of being God's steward, managing God's assets, and it's an immense privilege. Okay, let's move on to to verse nine. It says, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me. Great news, the whole nation curse with a curse because they've been robbing God. Not what you wanna hear from an almighty being, is it? Because if anybody can give a curse, it's God, and they've seen it firsthand through history. The curse of God is the opposite of blessing. So God chose Abraham to bless him and to bless the great nation that would be his descendants. But just as the wise old Uncle Ben from Spider-Man says, with great blessings or power, comes great responsibility. And with this great responsibility comes the potential for great judgment. So the curse of God comes on his people when they break his covenant. They distrust his word. They disobey his commands. They fail to love him and they fail to serve him alone. However, the only way that the curse that was put on them by God can be lifted was through the ultimate sacrifice, the spotless lamb that was Jesus Christ. So we see Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law becoming a curse for us. How many are thankful for that fact right there? That you do not have to live under the curse because of Jesus' ultimate sacrifice. For the people of Malachi's day, the redemption that Jesus brought was still 2,000 years in the future. So they, unfortunately, were not able to experience that sacrifice. So what were they to do? That brings us to verse 10, says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So if those of you that are helping me, if you guys would go ahead and head to the back. got an illustration for all of you coming up shortly. But I just wanted to just highlight this last verse right here. Isn't that such a, a change of tone from God accusing them from being far from Him, accusing them of being dishonorable and not doing what He had asked them to do? And He says, you will be called blessed. You will be a land of delight. And I, just, I just think that's so amazing that, that in God's mind, we're never too far gone. Even when we're being dishonorable, even when we're being like the children of Israel, we're being he still says, you're gonna be blessed. You're gonna be a blessing to the whole world. I'm gonna bless the whole world through you. Okay, so I'm gonna do some preparation for this demonstration. How many people that are here today are visual learners? If You see something, you never forget it. If you hear it, you probably never remember it. I'm like that most of the time. So for all of you, this, this illustration is for you because I saw it once And it was so impactful for me that every opportunity I get, I do it. Um, And when we're talking about tithe, when we're talking about robbing God, we're talking about all these things, it it just came right back to my mind. Before I even put notes on paper, I was like, I'm doing that. I just gotta figure out how to make it work. So um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna have my helpers bring offerings forward. And they're gonna, well, they're gonna bring they're gonna bring things forward. They're gonna bring possessions. They're gonna bring things that God has blessed them with. And the first person that's gonna come, they're gonna put one of each thing on this table to represent the offering, the tithe. And then the rest of my helpers are gonna put everything else on this table. And we're gonna see as it happens, we're gonna see visually what the tithe looks like. So go ahead, y'all can start with the, the bringing into the storehouse. And so I had a lot of fun yesterday. I went to the store and I brought way, bought way more produce than, there we go, the first. Way more produce than I've ever bought before. So here we have the best bell pepper that I could find. So we give God the first, we give him the best. And so that's one. And as you can see, we will have nine put on this side. And so here we have one orange. This is a navel orange, I'm not too fond of navel oranges because they're hard to peel, but this is the best navel orange that I could find. And we give that as an offering. And so, and then here we have a banana. We have one banana, and then we're gonna have nine bananas over here. So the thing, the thing about what we're doing here is, I'm gonna let them just keep going, is it's not just about finances. When we talk about the tithe, it's 10%. And when we, like earlier in our service today, we gave 10%, we gave finances. But when God talks here in this scripture, he was talking about, first of all, their heart. Where is their heart? But also he was talking about their time. He was talking about their talents. He was talking about more than just finances. And, and after we get done with the illustration, I'll get in a little bit more details of what that means. But. God wants you to give the best, like we've talked about before, the best of what you have to him. Are we getting to the point where it's about to fall off the table? Because that's the best part. There you go. Just put it right on the edge. If it falls off, that even proves a point further. Okay, so, um, so I just want you to think about that. When we think about the tithe, yes, it's about money, but it's about more than that. If you're, in, if you're sitting here in this place and you are musically talented, God wants you to serve on the worship team and lead us musically in worship. If you have the gift of teaching, if you are an engaging speaker and you have not made that known to someone, then God wants you to use that gift. If you have the gift of connecting, we have small groups, that God wants you to use that gift to bring people into your homes so that we can have a community of faith, that we can all grow together. Perfect, thank you. That was planned, as planned. Even better, two of them are falling off. Um, And so I just want you to think about this. What is it that God has given you? What blessing do you have? Whether it's finances, whether it's resources, whether it's talent, ability, whatever it is, what has God given you that you can give to him in service of him? we down to the bottom. Okay, here we go, the last bits. You did that on purpose, I saw you. She had that look in her eyes, she said, I'm going to make this fall. Beautiful, thank you. Okay, so, we've made it. As you can see, we have a nice assortment of healthy food over here, right? But it's pretty obvious that what we give to God, what he asks us to give to him, is much, much, much less than what he lets us keep. And like I said before, it's not just about legalism, it's not just about doing it because you're supposed to, but it's because we have to realize that these things aren't really ours in the first place. That everything we have is a gift from God. We're not owners, we are stewards. We are managers of his resources. And so if we feel like God's calling us to give a little bit more, to missions, then we can do it because it's not ours, it's God's. If we know a friend or family member that's in need, we can just easily give a little bit more because we know we have so much. God's given us so much. And we're not thinking of how much we have to give away, but we're thinking of how much we get to keep. And so I just challenge you today to, even in your own lives, to think about what you have, not as your own, not like this. It's not a tight grip, but it's an open hand that I'm holding it. But if God leads me and puts a need in my life and makes me aware of something that I just can freely give it. And I'm even happier for it. It's not begrudgingly. It's not, oh, I guess you can have that, but I'm not gonna have my cheeseburger tomorrow. It's I get to be a blessing in that situation or to that person. So I just wanna challenge you with that today. And I wanna close with just talking about in Old Testament times, when we talk about prosperity and we talk about poverty, that those were visible signs of God's blessing and curse. So prosperity was a sign of his blessing, poverty was a sign of his curse. And it wasn't always finances. Sometimes it was their health, sometimes it was their crops, their livestock, their social or political status, their family, their offsprings, like there was many ways that prosperity and poverty were measured. But the New Testament tells us that Old Testament believers were not as focused on these temporal things as we may think. That even in the Old Testament, people knew that their present blessing was only a foretaste of what was to come. So they were taught and they understood that blessings now were a promise of a greater future to come. And that curses were a warning of the future judgment of God. And so I just wanna remind all of us today is that our blessings and our curses that we experience in this in this day, in the present time, should serve as a reminder that we are in the temporary right now. Jesus is coming again one day. And when he does, none of this matters. It doesn't matter how many fruits or vegetables you have on your table, it's all gonna be gone in an instant. And what matters is where is your heart? Have you fully surrendered your life to Jesus? The day of judgment is coming, And you have the opportunity now to make yourself ready. You have the opportunity now to prepare yourself for that day. Because we're all gonna spend eternity somewhere and you have the decision to make. We need to learn from our present circumstances by looking at them in the light of all the Bible teaches us about the ways of God. We need to learn to wait on the return of Christ for his assessment of us in our lives, for our future reward of grace. So you would stand with me We close today. Go ahead and bow your head. I just have a few questions I wanna ask you this morning. First, I just wanna ask if there's anybody here in this place that you would say, I am like the children of Israel, I'm far from God. I didn't realize it before, but now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like I'm far from God. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you this morning if that's you. Second question I have is, we've been talking about robbing God. We've been talking about not giving Him what we owe Him. if you feel like that, that, that resonates with you, if you feel like you haven't been giving him everything, whether it's the full tithe in your finances or whether you have some resources or talent that you're not giving to him as a, as a form of worship. And you would say this morning, I want to change that. I want to give the full tithe into his house. If you would raise your hand, I want to pray with you. And then lastly, I just want to remind all of us here is that Jesus is coming again, regardless of your present prosperity or your present poverty, is that Jesus is coming again. So I want you to remember that fact. Think eternally, put your mind on him, and have eternity in your heart as you go through your day. Jesus, I wanna just thank you so much for this message that you've laid on my heart this morning. Thank you so much for speaking speaking to us today, God. I just ask that for those of uh, us in this house that raise their hand, that are far from you, God, I just ask that you would reveal yourself to them, that you have your arms wide open as they run back to you, God. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for welcoming them back into your family. And for those of us that, that realize that we may have been robbing you with our, our ties, whether it's finances or resources or whatever it is, God, that you've laid on our hearts, I just ask that, that this morning as we make that first step of confession that we are in that place, that you would help us to just make the next step, God, to boldly give you what you deserve. Because we don't deserve any of it. It's all for you, God. And I just pray a blessing over everyone here that you would convict us, God, that we would repent of the things that separate us from you and that we would be reconciled to you name